0: And he said, I just don't know how to tell you this. And I'm like, does she have COVID? And, and he's like, well, there's the good news. No, she doesn't have COVID. I said, well, thank goodness. He goes, but she needs a kidney transplant. And I just looked at him like, I said to him, do you know it's Christmas? And I, I'm still in this space of total disbelief. I'm like... This is really complicating my plan.
1: Ho, ho, ho. I'm Jackie Fund. Hi, I'm Katherine Roberts.
0: Hi, I'm Carrie.
2: And I'm Tom.
1: Merry Christmas. I'm Donna Perkett. And you're entering A Holiday Gone Good.
0: A Holiday Gone Good.
2: A Holiday Gone Good.
0: A Holiday Gone Good.
3: Hello, ho, ho. My name is Santa Steve, or Satan Steve, if you rearrange the letters after consulting one of my exes. It is time to don your ugly holiday sweater and top off your hot cocoa or eggnog or vodka. It's your mug. We don't judge, because today you're getting a present so good, we only offer it up once a year. Welcome. ...to our fourth annual Holidays Gone Good special episode. That's right, we are igniting the menorah, all eight candles... ...and turning up the lights on the tree so bright... ...I do not want to see the electric bill next month when it comes to prove... ...as we always do, there is good out there and lots of it. Today I have invited a snow heap of elves to share some inspiring and heartfelt... ...and just kind of hilarious favorite holiday moments... And stories and things and stuff. So let's waste no time. It's a holiday. Let's get it going. We got we only have so much time off, everybody. We gotta move, we gotta move. We begin with my pal, Jackie Pund, who is here to spread some cheer and offer a really wonderful gift she created, and you can go grab that helps people in need. My old old dear friend. But well, we're not that old. Oh, Jackie. No.
1: How dare you call me old?
3: <laughs> what a great way to start the holidays. My goodness. Right? <laughs> Jackie Pund is here. Jackie, how did we meet?
1: Oh my goodness. I think it was 15 minutes of femme.
3: Oh my god. There should be a drinking game on this show called Every Time Somebody Says Fifteen Minutes of Femme, you take a drink.
1: <laughs> That's funny. I was trying to remember how long that was.
3: Yeah, you were one of the many, um, gosh, many women who came out for that. I would say that was like two thousand and two or two thousand and three.
1: It was early. Yeah, it was early. Oh, time flies. It was so fun, though. That was a that was a great time.
3: Speaking of a great time, we are here celebrating the holidays as our annual holidays gone good show. I'm going to start here. Do you have a family or a favorite? memory from childhood of the holidays
1: favorite memory well always it was driving around to look at the Christmas lights um Santa visited my house on Christmas Eve um Santa being my grandparents (laughs) and so my mom and dad would drive us around to look at all the Christmas lights and uh and one year I got I got home and my grandmother said oh you just missed him I fed Rudolph and everything I remember it all so vividly it was just like it was magical
3: did that make you happy or did that you go, oh,
1: crap? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, it made me believe for way longer than I probably should have.
3: <laughs> I think we need that right now. I think we need a little bit.
1: Do I have a little magic? <laughs> it
3: doesn't hurt. Did you, Was there a gift as a kid that you desperately, desperately you wanted and you got? And was there one that you didn't get?
1: I can remember... Really wanting, I guess, probably when I was in middle school, I really wanted a phone in my room. Like that was such a, a thing. And I got a phone to put in my room, my own phone. That was a big deal. And
3: it was a plug in the wall phone, it was a landline.
1: Oh, yeah. It was a landline and it was call waiting and it was you tied up the phone for everybody else. <laughs> so that was a big sacrifice to my parents.
3: You just got like a physical phone, it wasn't like your own number.
1: No, no, of course not. <laughs> I'm old, Steve. <laughs> no, no, but I
3: mean, like, I mean, like, that would be hilarious if you were, like, like, 11 or 12 years old, and like, here's your own phone with your own number. <laughs>
1: your own phone line.
3: <laughs> oh, my God, that's amazing. <laughs> Was there something that you wanted that you didn't get?
1: I don't know. I mean, we didn't grow up. We weren't wealthy by any means, but I can never, I never felt like I never got what I wanted. I guess I was a spoiled kid.
3: <laughs> yeah, I always, I've told this before. I wanted a bulletin board. It's the weirdest thing that a kid could want, but a friend of mine's brother had one, I think, and I was obsessed with it. Like I would go over and it just was so cool. He had like a bulletin board and he would like pin all these things on it a lot of like basketball stories and, you know, Wilt Chamberlain and he cut, cut things. That's how old I am. Right. Cut things out. Um, and I just desperately wanted a bulletin board. And like, they gave me every gift and then they pulled out the bulletin board and like I squealed and I'm like, can we put up my bulletin board? Like what a fucking, like what, what else did I want? Like a, a whole three hole punch. Maybe that would be my next gift. Can we get a three hole punch?
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's the nerdiest thing I've ever heard.
0: <laughs> three hole punch. It's adorable.
1: I know I wanted
3: to be so much like this kid. And so I would like, I would go and I would like cut out sports stuff that I had no understanding of what it was. it be like, you know, like, like Arnold Palmer golfing or something. And I just cut it out and put it on my bulletin. But it made no sense. I just wanted to be like him. Isn't that weird?
1: Aw. You, you learned early how to make a vision board. <laughs> <laughs>
3: exactly. Except I didn't know what my vision was.
1: Yeah. <laughs> You're just borrowing them till you figure it out.
3: Now you have, we're going to talk about some gifts here because you have a great gift for people for the holidays. You just published, wrote your own book. I said that in the wrong order. Wrote and published your own book called A Home for Hope. Tell everybody about that.
1: I did. It was a real labor of love. I've written a couple of children's books. And this one I paired with an old friend of mine um, who is the chief program officer of a place called Wheeler Mission in Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, And they provide critical services to people experiencing homelessness. And they have this remarkable center for women and children and something we talked about was that there really isn't a book for kids to talk about what it's like to live in a homeless shelter and to be you know proud of that that some kids that they that that live there experience some um, I guess, shame or embarrassment, you know, to talk about where they live. And I wanted to make a book that tells a story about what is required for a kid that goes through that, the courage and resilience and, and all of that. Um, So we put together a book and I'm really proud of it.
3: You should be proud of it. It's really a huge accomplishment. I just published my book uh a month ago, a month, yeah, roughly a month ago and I understand it's a lot of a lot of work to get this done. Um the art in the book, did you do the art yourself or did you have somebody do it?
1: I did. I did it myself. I'm not, I'm not much of an illustrator. Yes, you think, are. Oh, yes, you, oh, you are. So kind. You're so kind. Um, I, you know, I try I learned with a lot of things, even in, I, I like to do art in all different fashions. And one of the things I learned is the more I try to make it perfect, the worse it is. So if I just play and have fun and just set out to make it less than perfect, it actually ends up being a lot better. So that's what I did. It's just kind of did it like a little kid was drawing. Um, And I think it captures kind of the emotion and and excitement of a little kid telling a story.
3: Proceeds from the book go where?
1: To Wheeler Mission. 100% of the proceeds. Good for you. Yeah. That currency, the currency of... I don't know, whatever you want to call it, the feel-good, making a difference, having a purpose, to me, just is so much more valuable in this instance than any royalties I'm going to get from
3: the kids' book. Where can people find A Home for Hope in all your books?
1: They are on Amazon. You can just search by my name, Jackie Pund, J-A-C-I-P-U-N-D, or you can search for A Home of Hope.
3: What gift are you waiting for this year? Speaking of gifts for a second here, is there a gift that you need or you're hoping for in the world or what's, what would be the ultimate Jackie gift for the world?
1: My love language isn't really gifts like physical things. Um, my family doesn't really give a lot of gifts we don't exchange presents except to you know my nieces and nephews it's really about time and thoughtfulness so like I love to do things like help my mom with a project or you know my friend my friend Esty is coming over this weekend after Thanksgiving and helping me clean out my garage (laughs) like that is a gift (laughs) that is a gift man that's a crazy gift (laughs) That is a good
3: gift. That is amazing. Are you going to do a garage sale or are you doing a a pickup?
1: Oh, I'm sure I'll just donate up a whole bunch of stuff. I have so much stuff to donate.
3: (laughs) Now, something everybody also needs to know about you, speaking of which, you are an amazing, I don't want to call you seamstress, designer? What
1: do we call you? I guess designer, yes, i I sew my own clothes i I find that I get really frustrated when I can't find things that I like. Um, so I make them myself. I grew up that way. My mother was always like, "Oh, isn't this cute? we We can make that <laughs> So we go home and and take a pattern and change it and and make our own stuff. So I keep doing that.
3: That's cool, and that also comes back to not having to have everything be perfect. Because I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure things don't always turn out the way, you know, I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean, like exactly as planned. But then you're like,
1: nah, you know don't what? Pay attention to that crooked seam or whatever. <laughs> but yeah,
3: I wanted the diagonal design. It was supposed to be diagonal.
1: Totally, yes, that was a design choice.
3: <laughs> Speaking of seamstressing and 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 costuming. What, like, upgrade would you give to Santa's outfit?
1: What upgrade would I give to Santa's outfit? Well, Santa's a classic. I mean, so you can't really do too much with it before he starts to look like, what, Kurt Russell?
3: <laughs> right, right. But does he need – can we give him pockets? Is that something? Does he, does he have pockets?
1: You give, him, give him lots of magic pockets, right? A little – I mean, you can always add sequins. Come on. <laughs> a little bling. Perfect. What would you do? What would you add?
3: Oh, my God. Well, I'm Jewish. uh, So (laughs) it probably like I would probably there'd have to be a snack pocket. They'd have like a it would have a bagel, (laughs) like a power bar. You know, he's got a lot of work he does. So he deserves it. And he he needs quick access is what I'm saying. Two shows back, you got to get your holiday good on early. When we spoke with Carrie and Tom from Snow Windows, if you haven't yet, go check out our also good show with them, a very merry conversation. You can uh, listen to it as soon as you finish here. There was a part in that conversation with them that I felt needed to be saved for this episode. So I lifted it out and I held it and this is what I'm doing right now. I saved it until now. here's Carrie and Tom sharing some of their own Snow Windows holiday magic.
4: Tom got booked for a job a couple of years ago, and it wasn't, it was before COVID. And there was sort of so many sketchy elements, sketchy, I don't know whether Americans use the word sketchy, but dodgy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nerving sure. elements to this job. And this, this lady messaged and she said, um, right, it's not my house, but I want to book you for a house. And I don't don't really want to sort of tell you any more than that. And I said to Tom, you know, like, I don't know whether you should go for this. It's all it's all a little bit higgledy piggledy. There's it's not making sense to me. So Tom was like, no, it's fine. I'll go. I'll go. So he went to this house and then he I I sort of waited up as late as I could. And then he eventually came back home at about half eleven and. I'd fallen asleep and I heard him come in and I said, was everything all right? Like, did they mug you? Like, what was going on? She was not telling me everything. He And he just looked at me and he was like, no, it wasn't okay. But I'll tell you in the morning. Any husband and wife team that you know, that if the husband is saying that the wife is sitting bolt upright, like, what is it? Tell me now, like, what happened? And he basically said that it, it had been booked for a lady, um... the daughter had booked a window for her mum and her mum was actually bedridden very very poorly with cancer and she obviously couldn't be downstairs to join in the Christmas festivities so the daughter had thought wouldn't it be nice to do a snow window and Tom chatted to this lady the whole time he was doing the snow window and she said to Tom which is really quite I don't know, quite profound. She said, you know what, Tom, before I pass through the other side, your beautiful artwork is going to be the last thing I see. And Tom's like welling up and, you know, it it just got really awkward for him because when he finished, he said to the daughter, like, I don't want payment. I, I don't want any payment whatsoever. And the daughter said, no, 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 that's why I didn't give you all the information. I didn't want this to be a charity window. Like we want to pay you. You've done a service. And, you know, there was lots of to and froing. And in the end, she sort of said to Tom, look, I've just chatted to mum. She said, buy your kids a present and put it under the tree from me. So we did exactly that. We bought a present for Ray and Isaac and we put it under the tree for her. And uh, did she make it through to Christmas? Yeah, yeah, I think she passed just after Christmas. And then it goes on because someone <laughs> said to me, like, what was the most uh, like emotional window? You know, it's really, really ethereal. And, and what is there an emotion attached for you guys? And I told this story. And this story that was, was exactly to a journalist who printed the story in the newspaper. And the day after that newspaper came out, I got sent a, an image of a screenshot and it was the the husband of the lady that passed away and he said your mum's spirit is still alive and he'd circled the interview so it just went on and on and on and it's like imagine having that gift that you can like that's the way I look at Tom I think oh my gosh he's got this gift at his fingertips that is genuinely impacting people's lives for the good which is, you know, kind of, you know, what your podcast is all about. So that's that's one of our, like, just amazing good stories that we had.
3: Tom, what was that like to get that information and know that you're already, you know, you're going to a job and, you know, I got this many hours, I've got to get my equipment up here, i got to get my ladder or whatever, drop cloth and all the things you use. Where did that put you in your mindscape when that information was given to you when you showed up? I,
2: I, well, I didn't get any information. I literally, I walked into her bedroom. I didn't even know she was going to be in there. They, she, her daughter didn't even tell me that really. I think I just walked in and she was there in her bed with the like machinery around her. And, 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 uh, it was, yeah, it was, it was strange. Um, I hadn't been in a situation like that before. So, and, um, but it, it was, yeah, it was really amazing and she was really nice. And, you know, we did chat and she was just so happy that I was there doing it. And she seemed to love what I do. And, yeah, it was, yeah, it's weird. You sort of know that you're never going to see that person again. And, uh, yeah.
3: <laughs> did you, did, I know, and I don't want to oppress you too much <laughs> on it, but, I want to make you cry, Tom. I need you to cry really? I'm kidding. I don't, Do you... I
2: don't usually. I, I've probably cried five times in my life, and you, you really get
3: yeah. – We'll get you there. We're going to yeah, get yeah. you there. <laughs> <laughs> but let me ask you this, though. In all seriousness, though, did you have like a, a moment of like – like a, we talk about this on the show a lot, like a moment of, oh, my God, I'm right where I'm supposed to be right now did you have that moment when it was happening or did you think about that at any point?
2: I don't think I would have. Um,
3: Can I talk to Carrie now? Just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> to be honest,
2: I, I just, I don't, I didn't put so much importance into spraying snow windows and I, I've, it's, it, it always seems a bizarre situation when that kind of thing comes into play and someone thinks that much of what I'm doing. It didn't, it doesn't see, it doesn't compute right with me. Because he still doesn't think he's that good.
3: (laughs) (laughs) My pal Catherine and I were co-workers a few jobs back, and we became fast friends. One thing we have in common is our love of food. (laughs) Not just food, but the planning and the creating of a dish and the presentation and all that fun stuff. Catherine's going to be coming up uh, soon, in a couple weeks. Uh, on the show here, but here she is now with a quick little story of something famous, a famous family food item in her own family that is a simple holiday must. My friend Catherine Roberts is here. It's the holidays. She has her grandmother's cookbook. Catherine, is there a Christmas recipe in here we need to discuss? Yeah.
5: Um, but you know, to be to be clear, Steve, it is decidedly not vegan.
3: Okay, I'm gonna let that go. I'll let it go for for the baby Santa. <laughs> not the baby Jesus, the baby Santa. The
5: <laughs> baby Santa implores you to forgive me for a very meat and dairy forward recipe. Yes. So it is a recipe um for sausage bread, which is um Something that my family makes every single year at Christmas. have been doing so my entire life. And it is just a delicious dough-filled kind of roll with Italian sausage. We do a mix of sweet and spicy with um, a mixture of provolone and mozzarella cheese. And I think a little Parmesan's in there as well. Yeah, we have it on the Christmas table every year. We make it on Christmas Eve eat it warm and then have it leftover reheated on Christmas day. And I actually um, shared that recipe in the Aspen times, the daily newspaper where I live. And I had, I had someone come up to me at a party in July and tell me, I make your sausage bread every month, at least at least once a month. I make your sausage bread every month. (laughs) Wow. Which is like very decadent. (laughs) But I was like, hey, Tim, thanks for letting me know. That's so nice. He's like, I love it.
3: I think I could veganize it. You, you'd, you'd cringe, but I think I could do it because I know how to make – I can make vegan sausage. I know how to do that. I, I could veganize it. Now, let me ask this question. The sausage, are you making the sausage from scratch as well?
5: No. Yeah, so typically we get, um, like I said, half spicy, half sweet from our favorite Italian grocer.
3: If my listeners wanted this lovely recipe, where could they find it? Can they find it? Yeah. Yeah. So you
5: can actually look it up on the Aspen Times website. So um, aspentimes.com. And my column is called Food Stuff. And you can just, like, uh, get on the website and search sausage
3: bread. pop right up. Do you have a favorite memory of – I know you call her tea – of tea, making this for the family. Is there any like, is there any legend story of like a really great year, or perhaps a year she almost burned the house down, or she couldn't find sausage so she just used chopped meat? Like, is there any like legend that we need to discuss for the holidays?
5: Sausage bread, specifically, no. I mean that that woman was a machine. She made a perfect loaf every year, no problem. Um, and now all of my um, my mother and all of my aunts do as well. So, and ev- kind of everybody in my family makes it now, but I will tell you this, which is a food related holiday story. It's pretty good. So, um, when my parents met, my parents met in 1970 and, um, my, my mother's mother's a f- fantastic, incredible cook. My father's mother was a terrible cook, lousy. And, um, my parents had met, they were dating, and my mother invited my father to come for Thanksgiving at my grandparents' house. Now, my grandmother, on my, on my mother's side, tea, made lasagna for Thanksgiving. They didn't do a turkey. And my mom was mortified. She's like, you have to make a turkey. This is going to be so embarrassing if we don't have a turkey on Thanksgiving. But my, my grandfather, her father was adamant that they had to have lasagna. So like, he's like, not, he's not having Thanksgiving without lasagna. So my grandma made both. She made lasagna and a turkey. My father had never had lasagna in his life. And he talks about that meal decades later. <laughs> the best food he'd ever had in his life up to that time. This 24-year-old kid. Just housing lasagna. Had no interest in the turkey. He loved it. He loved the lasagna. He loved my mom's family. It was like, and that was it. And then, you know, they were married that August. How did he never
3: have lasagna before?
5: It was 1970.
3: Oh, okay. And it didn't like, exist you know, yet. This is what you're saying. It didn't exist yet.
5: <laughs> like, you know, these very... um
3: Small town, St. Louis. Sure.
5: My grandma um, on my dad's side... She was making pot roast.
3: I was going to say fish sticks. I feel like a lot of fish sticks, some pot roast. I feel like boiled potatoes.
5: He was like, that was just not, he was just not exposed to that. It, you know, it was different, it was different times. Different world. He loved it. So that's my holiday legend.
3: Now the final holiday gone good story comes to us from Donna Perkett. She was sent to me by another Donna, my friend Donna Prime. Lots of Donna's going on. As a guest for our Signs Gone Good episode, which was a couple months back, more than a couple months back. What you're about to hear is what we recorded, which was not a Signs Gone Good story. She thought she was coming on to tell this story right now, and I thought she was coming on to tell the story of what happened after her husband passed away that's related to signs. We got our good wires crossed. Back then, but don't worry, she did end up sharing that story on that episode, and I told her I would hold this one until, well, now. Here's Donna's unexpected, on all counts, holiday gone good story.
0: My story begins on December 22nd, 2021. Um, Was so excited for Christmas because... Uh, We hadn't celebrated Christmas in a family um, in a long time. My husband passed away very unexpectedly in 2019. And um, for that Christmas, I I just couldn't do it. So I took all my kids to Florida. I have nine kids. They got to bring their significant others. And um, we made the best of it. And we had a really nice time on the beach in Florida. It wasn't normal. The next year was covid And uh, the kids couldn't come home. And, and, you know, I was devastated, heartbroken that my kids couldn't make it home for Christmas. I shipped boxes all over the place and hundreds of dollars in shipping costs. And we were finally going to all be together again in our old fashioned Christmas that we all love. Uh, My daughter, Isabel, who's child number eight, had not been feeling well. It was very unusual for her. She had never been sick before. And um, I was kind of being hard on her and annoyed with her because she was moving slowly. And um, I'm just like, Isabel, come on, like get with the program. And as the days went by, she kind of felt worse and worse. And, um, I called the doctor and they said, you know, a lot, lot of stuff going around, you know, give it another couple of days. And I knew that one of my, um, kids uh significant others worked in the medical field and I didn't want to expose him while he was here to covid. I was so worried about that. We had been very cautious of covid. My sister died of covid. So, um super uh, careful. And so I decided that I was going to take Isabel for a covid test even though the doctor had said, you know, don't don't worry about it. It doesn't it doesn't sound like covid. And for whatever reason, um, I've tried to think about what the reason is. Um, I took her to a walk-in clinic, which I would never do. I would um, typically have just taken her to CBS. They stick the swab out the window and swab her nose, and that was the end of it. And you get the results. And um, instead, I went to the Well Now Clinic um, here in town and. Um it was finally our turn. There were probably a 100 people in there getting covid tested in our area. They were just running through people, I mean just in and out in and out in and out. And uh swabbed her nose and then this for lack of a better word kid comes in and he's like, "Hi, I'm I'm Jeremiah. I'm the PA and um, you know, how are we feeling, Isabel?" And I'm like, "Well, obviously we're here. We're not feeling well." Um and so he He listened to her lungs in the back and then he listened to her heart and he looked at me and he said, has anyone ever told you that Isabel has a heart murmur? And I said, no. Um, And he said, yeah, she has a heart murmur. And I said, "Mm, okay. And he's like, you know, I really think you need to go over to the hospital and have her checked out. I want her to have a heart workup. And I looked at this guy like he had three heads. I'm like, hey, it's Christmas. I said, can't we just deal with this in January? Doesn't everybody have a heart murmur? I said, I just want to know if she has COVID. I don't want to infect my other kids. And he looked at me and he said, ma'am, nothing like saying ma'am to get me irritated. Um, He's like, do you need me to call you an ambulance? Now, mind you, the hospital is literally 20 yards from where we were. And I'm like, oh. And then now I'm still arguing with this kid. And I said, the hospital is like a petri dish. And so he's like, You I really want you to take her. I'm like, okay. So I go to the hospital and I literally like put her in the sick section. I go to the well section, just beside myself that I'm in the hospital. And PS, it's Christmas. I want to bake cookies. I want to make a gingerbread house. And so I go in and I said, look. I don't know why we're here. I, all I want to know, does my daughter have COVID? And so finally we we waited forever and we had our turn and they did an EKG and they took some blood and then they sent us back out to the waiting room. And again, all I'm doing is looking at my watch saying, I have a hair appointment. And so... um then it was our turn to go back in. So we go back in and we're in a room that was so small and it was just like a curtain around a bed. And this doctor comes in and he he asks me like, you know, what's the problem? And at the same time, he looks at the heart, the, the EKG and um, the blood results and he screams at the nurse, so, not very nicely either we need to redraw these labs. They can't be right. This this can't be blood. And she's like, no. And he's like, you contaminated it. And she said, no, I didn't. He said, it is impossible. These numbers are incompatible with life. I cannot have a child here and have these numbers. Um, he's like, rerun the blood work. So they reran the blood work and the doctor comes flying back in and takes her. And he said, she needs a blood transfusion right this minute. They tried so hard to do a blood transfusion and they couldn't get her veins um, to work. And as it turned out, basically almost all of the blood in her body had emptied out. She had no blood and they didn't even know how she was alive. And so they called in a specialist and they had to have special equipment, but they finally got the blood transfusion going. And by now, this all started at 11, by now it's five o'clock. And they're like, we have to take her to Albany Med. Now, I am one of those moms that like freaks out over everything. My kids have not been sick. They've always been healthy. And all of a sudden, I'm in this ambulance going 95 miles an hour, racing to this trauma center, and I'm just in total disbelief. So we get there, and they said, why don't you go eat? Because this is going to take a while. We're going to do some tests, and then we'll come back. And I said, look, I am here for a COVID test. So I go, I eat some dinner, I come back and finally they bring her back. And the person that um, I was talking to, another kid, I don't think he even was in college yet. He was so young and he was shaking and he was like in terror. And he said, I just don't know how to tell you this. And I'm like, does she have COVID? And and he's like, well, there's the good news. No, she doesn't have COVID. I said, well, oh, thank goodness. He goes, but she needs a kidney transplant. And I just looked at him like, I said to him, do you know it's Christmas? And I'm still in this space of total disbelief. I'm like, this is really complicating my plans. And, you know, this whole vision of this Martha Stewart Christmas is disintegrating. And um, we ended up in the hospital Um, she got her blood transfusions and once she had blood in her body, she felt pretty great. And, um, we stayed there for a few days and now it's Christmas Eve. And, um, you know, I am just, I'm in this space of like, we have got to go home. We've got to have our gingerbread making contest. And, um, so we, between the two of us begged the doctor to let us go home. And he said, yes, you can go enjoy your Christmas And he said to Isabel, do you have any questions? Are you concerned about anything? Because now, you know, we've established that she needs a kidney transplant. And she looked at him and she said, could I ski tomorrow? And he's like, no, you can't. Um, So, you know, there started our very, very strange journey. And I, you know, we had a wonderful Christmas. Then all of a sudden, Christmas was over. The kids all laughed. And now I'm like, Whoa. I gotta find her a kidney, and so I. It took me a really long time to wrap my head around everything. She had to start dialysis. It was ten hours a day, seven days a week. Um, it was. It was all so much. We we learned how to do dialysis. We did it at our house, and by the middle of March. So now it's been three months since this all started. I sort of. Was ready to tell people up until this point, I hadn't told anybody except for, you know, my, obviously my family knew and, and some close friends knew, but, um, so I just, I decided I was going to share my story on Facebook because my whole point was I need to find this child a kidney. So I put it on Facebook and, you know, people were like, what, what, what do you mean? And I'm like, yes, this healthy child who's never been sick, she needs a kidney. And the reason is because her kidney, her kidneys never grew. And so because she's very small, these teeny tiny little kidneys kept her going just fine until they didn't. And um, so I just started this crusade of, I need to find my daughter a kidney. Isabel had been put on the National Donor Registry, um, which is the one uh, space where everyone in the United States um, is on the list for a kidney. There's about 150,000 people waiting at any one time, and you wait and you wait and you wait. And it doesn't really work like one, two, three, four, five. It works that um, depending on where you are in your end stage renal failure, how bad you are, how desperate you are. To to have a kidney, and also um, when the kidneys become available, who do they match? Who who are they good for? Then we all got COVID, so okay, we're we're dealing with COVID, and we're trying to work through the kidney process with the donors. And Isabel has to be taken off the national donor list um, for two weeks while she recovered from COVID, and she came back on the list, and four days later, we got a call that there was the perfect kidney for Isabel. And, um, it was amazing. I can't even, I can't even tell you what that feeling was like. And as much as there was just such sadness, knowing that someone had lost their life, it was a young man, um, you know, it was really going to happen. And they said, this is not just a kidney this is a kidney. This is like the best kidney we've ever seen. And I'm like, oh my God, this is this is so great. And Isabel was sobbing her brains out because she's like, I'm not ready for this. I'm not ready for this. And I'm like, we're going to do it. So on May 11th, um, she got transplanted along with nine other people who he had given organs to, which just blows my mind. Um, and the kidney pinked right up. And um, has been working totally perfect ever since. And, um, you know, I, I just feel like we're so lucky we're coming up to our big one year kidneyversary, which is a really big deal in the world of uh, kidneys and transplants. And um, once you get past that first year, you know, things are a lot smoother and a lot easier. So that's my story.
3: So here's what I'm gonna tell you this is an amazing story, and I do a Christmas episode. <laughs> <laughs> i do a winter episode and don't kill me but i'm probably gonna hold this until then because this is so perfect for my you started telling it, i'm like okay because here look i and, and i i'm gonna edit a lot of this out don't worry
0: okay, that's fine i oh, no, not but blah, i mean blah, blah. I'm,
3: what i'm talking about right now what i'm gonna probably i'm gonna edit this part where i'm talking but like i was waiting for you to tell me some connection with your husband <laughs> like i was like i was like okay wait is that the connection like that but this is an amazing story We typically close the show with our guests finishing the statement, tell me something good. For this special episode, we're going to shake up the snow globe and go with this instead. Tell me something holiday good.
1: Something holiday good? It seems maybe a little bit trite, but today is just a a day to be alive. It's just... I don't know. I'm grateful for every day. I'm grateful for every holiday. I'm grateful for every moment with my family that were, as my dad says, above the dirt (laughs) and it's not lost on me. How, what a gift that is when I have so many friends who, um, who don't have that luxury. So I'm just going to enjoy it so much this year.
0: Donate a kidney, change a life.
1: I'm just going to give everyone a
5: hot tip that the day after Halloween, the candy is half price at the store. So <laughs> I myself don't get trick-or-treaters, but you better believe I get myself candy for half price
3: every year. So the same is true of Christmas is what you're telling me? You're telling all of us to rush on the 26th out and get us some Christmas deals? <laughs> you go to twelve twenty six. <laughs> Go get
5: your snickers. <laughs> Give you the best tip you've heard all year.
4: something holiday good um oh gosh, now I'm a little bit stuck for this holiday good is family family all getting together tradition um the the magic of children anticipating father Christmas visiting um i i guess you know it's just the magic of christmas is good there you go am i allowed to say christmas or is it like one of those like you can't say christ of christmas magic of festive seasons is good doesn't have the same ring to holiday. it does it the holiday season is good there you go <laughs> that works
2: <laughs> holiday good is is memories for me i think just all the people of the past and and your present it's uh, it just brings everything to the to the front for, for one bit of the year, you know, where you get to remember everything. Damn, you smashed that answer.
3: <laughs> Thank you, Jackie, Kerry, Tom, Catherine, and Donna for sharing your holiday good. Next time on World Gone Good. They say there's only two emotions, whoever they are, love and fear. So in any given moment, you can boil down the emotions in your body to one of those. And I think kindness is choosing love over fear in any moment that you're in. We head into New Year's Eve with Robert Peter Paul, the host of The Art of Kindness a positively star-studded podcast that converses with and celebrates artists from all areas of the entertainment industry who are using their platform to make the world a better place. Hey, that's like a little deja vu. Sounds familiar, right? We are talking the good of making resolutions, creating kindness in the world and in ourselves, and celebrating the Art of kindness's 100th episode, which is now up, featuring, are you ready for this? Carol Burnett. How good is that? Here's wishing you all the happiest of holidays, no matter what holiday you celebrate. We're taking next week off. We'll see you back here on the 27th. Until then, be good.